Good morning, folks. I feel like I've had already a church and a half worth of services there, but I, 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 and I am endeavoring to bring the word, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and speed it up. Okay, I don't know if I can speak fast. I'm just going to cut some corners here, hopefully. So, Lord, thank you for your word, Lord. Lord, thank you that you say in the book of Jeremiah that you watch over your word to perform it, Lord. And Lord, that you send forth your word as rain falls from heaven, Lord, which doesn't return, but accomplishes that for which you sent it. And Lord, as we this, this, this next while, Lord, look at your word, look at scriptures about miracles, God, there's a harvest of miracles that you're going to bring forth, Lord, as seeds of faith are sown in our hearts, Lord. Faith is going to arise. Lord, we're going to be a people who are going to trust you for miracles, Lord. That you may be known, Lord. That you may be known. We want you to be famous, Jesus. And so, Lord, use us. Use our hands. Use our hearts for miracles that would make you famous, Jesus. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen. So when we heard about this series for, for, for our time of consecration, we were so excited about this theme of miracles, let him be known. And so I wanted to just quickly give you a roadmap of where we're going. So it's the first. So what we're going to do, we're going to do a seven-part series uh, over the next seven weeks. And, and just I, put, I did a table for you on the next slide, which shows you on the left column just the seven the seven um, uh, sessions, and then the dates, uh, the different Sundays we're doing it, and they're all the different titles, the different um, topics we're looking at, and the scriptures. You'll see they're all from the book of John, and at the bo bottom there I said, we are looking at the seven miracles that the Apostle John records in his gospel. And uh, the, 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 there are four books in the Bible known as the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first four books of the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, and Luke were written uh, quite soon uh, after uh, Jesus ascended, etc. And John's Gospel was written quite a few years later. Some scholars reckon about 30 years later. So John would have known what, the, what his other three friends had written. And so it's very interesting that the material that John covers is quite different uh, to what the other Gospels cover. There's a lot of similarities between Matthew, Mark, and Luke, whereas John kind of covers different areas. And he only records seven miracles that Jesus did, and there it's listed on the table in John 2, 4, 5, 6, 9, 11 is where we're going to look at these. And this morning we're looking at the first miracle that Jesus did, which is where he turned water into wine. And as we look at these miracles, I mean, these are big miracles. These are kind of, man, Lord, we want you to do the big miracles. But I, was, I woke up this morning and I was thinking this. I was thinking about the small miracles. You know, small miracles surround us but so often we're not even aware of them. And I went this morning to our bathroom and I took a photograph of this, which is in our bathroom. My wife has had it in our bathroom for a while. Jane, you recognize that? <laughs> it's a little goodie she's got in the bathroom there. And it says, look for the small miracles in your life and you will find they are everywhere. And uh, I just want to just testify of some small miracles we've seen this year. So... Our dear daughter, Abigail, who desperately wanted to get to church this morning, um, we, had to, we had to 
convince her not to come to church. You know how wonderful it is when people need to be convinced not to come to church? You know, it's just, I love people like that. Um, I know, I know you, we, I'm speaking to the converted, yeah. Um, but um, it was just so wonderful. And uh, she had, yeah, an interesting start to the new year. Um, by Wednesday night, incredible stomach pain, and she had symptoms that looked like diarrhea. She was vomiting, and, and we were trying to treat diarrhea. Eventually, Jen took her to the doctor on Thursday, and the doctor said, uh, did tests and everything, and the doctor said, she needs to go to hospital. I think it's appendicitis. And so she went. We, uh, Jen rushed up to the hospital, and uh, when she got to the hospital, uh, they said, there's, there's no room in the inn. <laughs> you know, kind of like Mary. Uh, there are no beds in the hospital. So they said, oh, well, let's try casualty. Try casualty, nothing. Uh, try pediatric ward, nothing. Try maternity ward, nothing. The third time they tried the surgery ward, oh, you know, there, there, there is a room available. Small miracles, folks. Small miracles. Yes, Lord. She's got a bed. There's room in the inn. Okay, well, there's not room in the inn, okay? But um, she's in. So, great. And, uh, and then, then Jenny messages me and says, no, the doctor, the surgeon who, who she was referred to, uh, he's, he's busy in theater up in Howick. Uh, he's got to finish there. Then he's got a whole bunch of other patients to see. He'll get to Abigail sometime. And I'm going... You have no idea how much pain my daughter is in. She, she kind of fainted once or twice. She was in incredible pain. And half an hour later, Jen says, they take you into theater. I don't know how that doctor got from theater in Howick to theater with Abigail in half an hour, but he did. And she was operated and can't believe the difference. Uh, I mean, the pain, you know, I was talking to her and I've shared with you, you know, the difference between dirty pain and, and clean pain. <laughs> I'm not going to unpack that due to time, you know. The dirty pain of the infection versus the clean pain of the, you've, had, you've had some surgery. It's just so different. So she's doing well. The miracle of getting a bed, small miracles. The miracle of a surgeon who's in theater at another town and half an hour later he's, he's, he's operating on my daughter in theater. Small miracles. We are grateful, folks. We love the big miracles. This morning, you know what a small miracle? How many of you thank God that this, not just that the sun came out, but the sun came out on the same time on this date, which is the 8th of January, as it does every 8th of January the whole time that you and I have been alive. Have you thought about how miraculous it is? And next year on the 8th of January, the sun is going to rise at the same time. Do you know how miraculous that is? Do you know how, how fragile the universe is? How easily, you know, if the earth just changes like a, couple, a half a degree, I mean, we could live in an, the ice age or be fried like an, you, you know, like a, an egg on this planet. It's a miracle. God, 30 years from now, you could look and you could work out what time the sun's going to rise. That's phenomenal. How many of you praise God for that small miracle? Oh, it's actually a big miracle but to keep the universe turning and going at this rate so, so constantly. It's amazing. Small miracles all around us. We trust in God for big miracles, but let's not miss the small miracles because we're just looking for the big miracles. Amen. So Abby's doing well. And I'm sure she'll be at church next week. So turning water into wine. It's from John chapter 2 and it's verse 1 to 11. What I'm going to do, I'm going to read through the scripture 
just read the whole scripture so we have 11 verses so we can get a picture of it and then we're going to dive in and just uh, we're going to look at uh, some aspects of this beautiful story. Okay, so let's read together. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus was also invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee, and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed him. There's so much in this story. I want to just highlight there, it says this is the first of his signs. So we're starting, according to John, this was the first miracle that Jesus did. What's interesting is that John uses the word signs. And I just wanted to start there because, folks, what do signs do? A sign points you in a direction. But you're meant to keep moving with the sign until you get to your destination. When you see our church signs, you don't stop and have church at the sign. You follow the church to the destination. The destination of of the sign of miracles is Jesus, folks. And if there's any other destination, i.e. if it's all about me and how anointed and powerful and the man of the hour with all the power story, if miracles stop with me, folks, please get away from me. Please avoid me. Okay. I, I am, what I loved when I heard about this series, when they said miracles, let him be known. I'm telling you, I think it was the subtitle that I got most excited about. Because I have seen and I've been in places where people get excited about miracles, but then it becomes about the man who does the miracle, not about Jesus who actually did the miracle. And so this, what, what, what John says here, this is the first of his signs Jesus did at Canaan, Galilee, and manifested his glory. Folks, we want his glory to be manifested. Amen? I, I'm telling you, I sometimes I love testimonies of miracles, but sometimes I must say I have cringed when people share testimonies and it's all about the man of the hour with all the power and how anointed he is and how much he prayed and spat and whatever did on the person. And I'm like, guys, it's not what it's about. It's about Jesus. Amen. About him getting the glory. And his disciples believed in him. And that's so important. We're going to get to that. So let's just go to the next slide where we're actually starting at the beginning again. It starts with on the third day. And that is just because John is highlighting that this 
happened sequentially after what happened in, in chapter 1, where he calls his disciples. He, engage, he, he, he engages with John the Baptist and he calls his first disciples over the previous two days. And now they're at the wedding. I want to highlight this because not everything in the Gospels is always sequential. Various Gospel writers collect stories to different authors, different, to different sort of groups uh, to bring a point across. So, so sometimes we make a mistake when we just say, because it, it occurs next sequentially in the text of Scripture, it is next. We know this is next because John made the point to highlight that, that this is right in the beginning. It is after what happened before. On the third day, there's a wedding at Canaan, Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there, that's Mary. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. Now, folks, in those days, firstly, weddings were not just a couple of hours in one day. They would take up to a week to celebrate a wedding. And you would get invited to the wedding, generally, if you were somehow connected to the bridegroom or the bride. And so Mary is invited, and in all likelihood, this was some family member of Mary and Jesus, it could have been a cousin of Jesus, a, a you know, or or a, whoever, the, the the bride or the bridegroom, could have been a kid he used to play with, you know, used to play soccer with, and now this kid's getting married and Jesus is invited. We don't know the family, but generally, I mean, you know, how weddings work. You get invited, but. It's very much like I was going to, I was thinking like an African wedding because Jesus is now a whole bunch of disciples. Like you can also bring them along, okay? You and any friends can also come to the wedding. But that would mean that probably what happened here, there were a lot more guests than they had anticipated. We also know that Mary, and, and by the way, Joseph isn't around. Uh, People believe that he would have passed quite a few years before this. And Jesus would have been heading up the carpentry shop. We know Joseph was a carpenter for the last couple of years. Carpenters weren't that well off. And so this community wasn't a, a, a rich community. And probably the bride and bridegroom who had to pay for this wedding, they probably weren't too well off, but they're still generous inviting people. And then we know the story, they ran out of wine. Now, um, we're going to come to this, but... I want to just say about wine, you know, this story has been taken out of context and people have justified, for example, you know, their drinking habits because Jesus turned water into wine, etc. And really, it's gone out of, out of whack. Let's just read and read what, what John wants us to get from the story. He's not saying, you know, you can, you can just go ballistic here. Scripture is clear, you know, do not get drunk with on wine, okay? Scripture doesn't forbid the drinking of wine. It forbids the, well, it it dissuades getting drunk on wine. Proverbs says wine is a mocker, etc. So, but I wanted to say this just about wine in those days. It wasn't the same as the wine we drink today for two reasons. The alcohol content was much lower. About a third of the alcohol content that we have in our wine today, i.e., take a bottle of wine of today, add two bottles of water, and that's probably what they were drinking. Now, remember also in those days, they, they weren't so aware of bacteria and germs, and they didn't have all refrigeration. There was no refrigeration. You live in a hot climate. It's actually a dry area. I mean, Palestine, uh, the, the Israel, it's a dry area. Water, there's not a lot of water around. And so very often the water you would drink wasn't that great quality. You often got a funny tummy from drinking water. Uh, Paul actually told Timothy, have a little bit of wine for your stomach. Why was that? Because generally, because of 
the little bit of alcohol that was in the wine they drank those days, that uh, basically um, uh, uh, killed the bacteria that could have been in there. And you knew if you drank this wine, you wouldn't get a funny tummy from, from that. And so it was a very different context. They weren't drinking to see how drunk they could get. This was the liquid that they had at a wedding. Okay, so just to understand the context. And it's, uh, I just want to highlight here also, it says that, Jesus said take six vats, and it says how many gallons in there. I worked out in terms of, let's say, converted to bottles of wine, how much wine he converted. There were six big, big canisters there. It is about... It was just under 700 bottles of wine. That's how much wine Jesus made over there. So, you know, that just, I was also like, you know, Lord, you don't do things in half measures. You know, it wasn't like, well, here's like 10 bottles. It's like nearly 700 bottles of wine. That's how much wine he made. So again, what does that speak to? Jesus is abundant. He is just over the top, Lord. I mean, this is a lot of wine he made there. Okay. So they, they, they at the wedding, and Jesus, verse 3, when the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to a, ma- a woman, now this was, it wasn't disrespectful. I mean, some Bible scholars said the, the word he used, probably a better word would be lady. It was a respectful term, okay? What does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. My hour. So Jesus has he's just called his disciples. He's done no miracles. He's done no preaching. He's just spoken to a couple of guys and said, follow me. That's all that's happened. Uh, and he's, he's been baptized by John as well. And yeah, his mother is pulling on him to do a miracle. His mother has faith that he's going to save the day. And Jesus says, my hour has not come. Folks, Jesus here is revealing that God respects seasons. But don't get boxed in by a season either. Okay, the Bible says be ready in season and out of season. And his mother in verse 5 says, his mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Do whatever he tells you. Folks, in every Bible that I've had, when I get to this portion of Scripture, I underline, do whatever He tells you. I don't know about you. There are some things that it's just, this needs to be underlined. Do whatever He tells you. Folks, that is such a, an, an awesome simplification of what's the Christian life like. Do whatever He tells you. How do you walk victoriously as a Christian? Do whatever He tells you. How do you overcome in this life? Do whatever He tells you. How do you please God? Do whatever He tells you. How do you defeat the devil? Do whatever Jesus tells you, not what the devil tells you. It is so, so. I remember a few years ago I was speaking about hearing from God and I said, hearing from God, I believe, is our superpower as believers. It's our superpower. You know, I mean, all these Marvel movies, all this, they have the superpower. Your and my superpowers, we get to hear what Jesus asks us to do, and then we get to do it. That is our superpower. That's what sets us apart. Amen? And so, do whatever He tells you to do. Such profound words. I, I, I remember hearing uh, Pastor Bill Johnson ministering on this, and he was like, you know, what was it? What was it in Mary 
that caused Jesus, even though he recognized my season hasn't come to, be, to reveal to the world who I am with signs, wonders, and miracles, and preaching, etc. What was it in, in Mary? Folks, it's simply she believed all the promises that she'd heard from angels from before he was born about this young man, and she was like, he can do it. She had faith in her heart that Jesus, despite, you know, it's not my season. And folks, the faith in her heart caused Jesus to respond, even though he said, my time hasn't come. You know, sometimes people come to you and they say, mm, not now. Yeah, you know, Folks, you know, if there's faith in your heart, it's like, I hear you, but mm, I have faith in my heart. You know, the doctor says X, Y, Z prognosis about you. You have faith in your heart like, nah, <laughs> I believe, I just have faith that God's going to do something different. You know, somebody comes to you and says, you know, now's not a good season to start a business because the economy is like this. But there's faith in your heart and you are like, you know, but, but God, folks, you know, God's not restricted by all those seasonal things. Don't, we're not going to be foolish, man. We recognize winter seasons and summer seasons and spring. We recognize... But there are times where it's just like, yeah, but I've got faith in my heart that God's just going to come through for this. It's amazing. Do whatever He tells you. So what I want to do now, I'm actually going to jump out of this story. And in, the, in our New Year's message that we sent to you, I shared this. At the Transfiguration, if we go to the next slide. Transfiguration, amazing. It takes three of His disciples. Uh, Peter, James, and John. He takes them to this mountain. They get on the mountain. Jesus, the glory of God, radiates from him. I mean, uh, one of the gospel writers is so bright. I mean, literally brighter than, than, than the sunlight. Jesus is just radiant. I mean, wow. Peter gets carried away. He's like, and, and then Elijah and Moses are there. And Peter's freaking out. What can we do? He says, I'll put up a tent for you guys. And he's talking. And while he's talking, Quite honestly, he's talking, he's not talking sense. And then while he's talking, the father just interrupts. And verse, seven, uh, verse 5 of chapter 17 of Matthew, he, this, this says, He, Peter, was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. Same words he spoke at his baptism. And then the father said three words that are so key. Listen to him. Listen to him. My three words for this year is listen to him. You want a word from God? <laughs> listen to him. <laughs> Mary said, do whatever that he tells you to do. Jesus' Father in heaven says, listen to him. Folks, it's profound. It's brilliant. It's world changing. We want to change the world. We want to see miracles. You want to have a breakthrough in your life? Listen to him. It's not rocket science. Listen to him. I love this. And, I, and I'm, 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 we, we'll get there. I, I, think, I think we may just have a series on listen to him. We're going to have a listen to him series. I, ugh, I feel it in my bones. Okay, let's move on. Verse 6. We're carrying on with a, with, a, with a story. Now there were six stone jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. I said that's nearly 700 bottles of wine that, that were... That were uh, would fill these, uh, these jars. But I just want to say these purification rites, Jewish pur purification rites, what were they? Firstly, people would have traveled on dusty roads, walking, wearing sandals. Your feet get kind of full of dust and dirt, etc. The first thing, they would have used the water 
these, in these jars to clean their feet. But also remember, according to Jewish rites, they had to wash their hands literally between each course. Before each course is served, you had to wash your hands. So these jars were used for that. So Jesus says, ah, let's use those jars. Let's make some wine. Let's save the day. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water, and they filled them up to the brim. Folks, these servants in the story really jumped out at me. We don't know who they are. But they were key to this miracle. Jesus didn't grab the jars and fill them with water, however they did it, got smaller jars, filled them, or whatever. Jesus didn't do it. He was, the servants were an integral part of this miracle. Folks, that's the one term the apostles most consistently referred themselves to as was servants. We are servants of God. I'm excited to be a servant of God this year and at some point fill a jar and, and allow Jesus to make wine out of water. How many of you are saying, I'm okay to be a servant of Jesus. What does it look like? Listen to him. Do what he tells you to do. You don't know the outcome. I'm sure they didn't know how this was going to, but they listened to Mary's words, do whatever he tells them to do, and they filled the jar. I'm excited to be a servant of God this year and see some miracles. Any other servants of God here this morning? If he tells you, hey, why don't you pray for that person? That person has been moaning for the last half an hour about their mother-in-law and how what a water about the mother-in-law, and they are irritating the heck out of you as well. Why don't you go to them and pray that God would intervene in the mother-in-law situation? Fill the jar with water, okay? Bring God into that situation. Two weeks later, you know, it was so amazing. My mother-in-law called me and we had such a nice chat. And you say, yeah, but remember we prayed into that situation. You're right, it's a miracle. (laughs) I'm reconciled with my mother-in-law, okay? Big and small miracles. Let's be used by God, okay? Let's be the servants of God. And they filled them to the brim, and he said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the master feast. Again, the servants just obeyed. They didn't question and say, Why? You know, but Jesus, it's water in there. And if I serve the master of the water, he's going to give me a clap. I could lose my job, whatever. Just serve the water. They just obeyed, amen? That's how we mean to be as servants. Amen? But, but, but you're not praying for them. You know, I don't know if they believe. I don't know if they believe in prayer, whatever. Just, you have a sense. Pray for the person about the mother-in-law. You, they're driving you crazy. You pray for them. Boom, boom, boom. Things happen. Amen? So they took it. Come on, servants of the Lord. Let's just obey him. Verse 9. When the master feast tasted the water, now become wine, and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. I, can you imagine being those servants? Imagine them chuckling. They know the backstory, and the master's ceremony doesn't know. This is the thing about the servant of the Lord. The master of ceremony, the master of the ceremony, master of ceremonies, the, 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 the program director, he's like the big cheese. He knows what's going on. But he doesn't know what's going on. He's meant to know what's going on. Program director, he's meant to know everything. He doesn't know what's going on. The servants do. This is the thing. Folks, if we are the servants of the Lord, we just obey him. We get the inside track. Remember, Jesus said, I call you friends. And the thing about friends, he shares things with friends that you don't share with others. We get the inside track of what God is doing. He wants to reconcile that person with their mother-in-law. You know it. They don't know it. You got faith for it. They don't. You pray. God does a miracle. Hallelujah. Amen. Okay. The master feast called the bridegroom. So now the bridegroom's on the scene. Now, again, there's a very high likelihood 
that this bridegroom was somehow related or Jesus knew the bridegroom. Otherwise, he wouldn't have got an invitation to the wedding. I mean, it could have been just through Mary, but he's connected to Mary. So it's very unlikely that he didn't know the bridegroom. So Jesus here, folks, in those days, remember, I, I painted the context. It probably, they probably weren't, well, weren't, that, weren't that wealthy, the bridegroom, bride and bridegroom. The bridegroom in those days had to pay for the whole feast, all the wine, food, everything. It was a big deal. Probably weren't that wealthy. Probably just used all the money to buy all the food and wine they could and hoped it would make it, and it didn't. It would have been a huge embarrassment for the bridegroom if they had, well, they were running out of wine. But if everybody realized they'd run out of wine, and now the party's, party's got to stop. We've only been partying for two days and still got three days of party ahead and there's no more wine. Pack up and go home. So Jesus here, the bridegroom doesn't even know it, but he's saving the day. And folks, you know the thing about this miracle? Just think about this miracle. Nobody's about to die. Nobody is sick. It's just, you know, party's going to get spoiled. You know, people are going to go home early because they haven't got any more wine. It's like, Jesus, your first miracle is not an urgency. You know how often we kind of, we have a need, like a serious need in our life? And we kind of think, we, we, we judge our need, like, should I pray about it? Should I ask God about it? And then you kind of think, yeah, but, you know, the war in Ukraine is quite major. God's got his hands tied up over there. And then, you know, of course, you know, in South Africa's politics, you know, we just, geez, that's a big job, God. You, I know that's probably giving you sleepless nights. You know, my issue, it's not that big, you know. I'll probably survive, you know. I have been coughing and my throat is sore, you know, for three days. But, you know, Lord, first sort out Iraq and then, you know, South African politics. And then I'll, I'll come, then maybe try me. <laughs> Folks, the story, it's like there were people dying all around Israel. And here he's helping a party carry on. He's helping a groom and a bride have a wonderful wedding. It's like this. Is, folks, it's okay. He wants you to have a good time. Amen. Sometimes he just wants to bless you. He wants you to have a good party. I mean, Jesus, how does this figure? Okay. Can we sometimes pray those prayers where it's not a need, it's not a crisis, it's just a want? God, you know, my car, my jalopy, you know, Lord, it is like 27 years old, you know. I'd like a new car. I know the doors haven't fallen off, Lord, but, you know, wouldn't mind a new car. You know, just pray some prayers that it's not a dying need, but Jesus still wants to meet it. This, this just blows your paradigm of of God's generosity. I mean, and 700 bottles of wine, it's like that's over the top. God, he's the owner of a cattle of a thousand hills. It just blows your mind. The story blows my mind. The more I think about it, it's like this doesn't make sense to my sense of, you know, being frugal and don't waste and, you know, priorities. And it just blows all those things. Just God is abundant. It is quite amazing. In verse 10, and said to him, now he's talking to the bridegroom. He's talking to the bridegroom. Folks, this was a potential disaster for the bridegroom because he hasn't provided enough wine. And, and, and the, the program director says, everyone serves the good wine first. And when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. The, the bridegroom is getting praised here. They, the, he doesn't even know what's going on. I'm sure the bridegroom doesn't know what's going on. He's like, wow, you know I, I'm getting to look good here. You know, sometimes Jesus makes you look good. You don't even realize. You know, that's what favor is. Jesus just like, he pushes you into the limelight. He causes you to get praised. It's like, God, what happened? How did I get here? 
Jesus is just blessing you, abundant favor. You know, it's just like, wow. And I, I think, I mean, I wonder how this bridegroom must have thought. I don't even know if he knew the wine was running out. Maybe he did know the wine was running out. He was stressing. He wasn't enjoying his party. He was like, what are we going to do? And suddenly, he's getting praised for bringing the best wine out. In the end, it's just amazing. Jesus, you just, you know the story, are you seeing at how many levels it's messing with our concept of being frugal, priority, you know, like having a party, wasting, waste of money. Sometimes it is, okay. <laughs> it goes on to say, verse 11, this, the first of his signs Jesus did at Canaan Galilee and manifested his glory, first and foremost, John says, this is the first point of a miracle, is that Jesus gets the glory. Can we just underline that and circle it in your Bible? He must get the glory. And secondly, and his disciples believed in him. And his disciples believed in him. So he's just called these boys to follow me. And this is a major point of Jesus' ministry, is to ignite faith in his disciples. What did this miracle do? It ignited faith inside of them. They believed in Jesus. Not in miracles, not in wine, not in parties, not in, whoo, we can drink as much wine as we want. No, no, no. In Jesus. It ignited faith in Jesus. That's the point of miracles, folks. We want people to put their faith in Jesus. Trust Jesus. Come on, my man. I'm going to strangle you until you believe in Jesus. No, no, no. Pray for his relationship with his mother-in-law. And then you'll see the miracle. Because, you know, mother-in-law miracles can be quite big. Okay? And now he's a believer. He believes in Jesus because you prayed for him. Don't strangle him. Pray for him. Amen? Okay. I want to go. So this... Only seven stories does John highlight in his whole gospel, miracle stories. But he doesn't call them miracle stories, he calls them signs. And I love that because the sign's pointing to a greater reality. It's pointing to Jesus. Amen. We love the signs. We need more signs. How many of you wish we could put signs all over town pointing towards Jesus? Okay? Pray for his mother-in-law. There's a sign right there. That's the sign. Pray for their sore tummy. Amen. Share a test me of a miracle of how God reconciled you with somebody. Amen. Share a test me about how God healed you. That's a sign. That's a test me pointing towards Jesus. Amen. There are signs all over. They are you. Because how many of you, you can testify to a miracle you've seen in your life somewhere? I just testified to two you know, miracles with my daughter. You know, a doctor who was not there and a bed who wasn't there, boom, and now they're both there. It's a miracle. Testify to Jesus. They point to Jesus. Let us look for these signs all over. And I want to just summarize. I'm going to this scripture. Let me look at the, the, this, the, the summary. In John 20, verse 32, 31, this is at the end of John, where John is saying why he wrote this book, the Gospel of John. And he says this in chapter 20, verse 32, 31. And, and it says the purpose of this book in my Bible, the heading of this, these two verses have the purpose of this book. Now Jesus did many other signs, okay? Many other miracles. John doesn't record them all. Some of those signs are through you and through me. The signs in Abigail's life, that's Jesus, amen? That's Jesus' signs. Did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. Verse 31, but these are written so that you may believe. Folks, these are written so that you may believe. This story of this abundant 700 bottles of wine for a 
bridegroom that he can have an amazing wedding. Folks, this is written for you and for me that we may believe. My greatest prayer is that after my two prayers, that Jesus would be glorified and that faith would be ignited in you and me for miracles. Amen? That God would use us to bring signs, to plant signs all over town. Um, that Jesus is alive, that Jesus heals, that He is Lord, that we need to believe in Him. That means put your, all your faith and your trust and your total dependence in Jesus. That's what this word pisteo, believe. It means to put with your whole being, put your trust in Jesus. These are written so that you may pisteo, believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Folks, that's why we want signs. Not for the sake of science, not so we can look good and whatever. You can start your own fantastic miracle ministry so that people would see that and believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, folks. That people would be born again. That, that moment you put your faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that is the greatest miracle. And other miracles are there to unlock that miracle that you would believe. Amen? I'm trusting many people, your family and friends, would believe this year wholeheartedly that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that believing would be unlocked. That is the goal of miracles. Believe in Jesus. Amen. And that by believing, you may have life in His name. That you may have life. Folks, have you found when you walk in faith, you feel there's life inside of your bones? You want to get out of bed? You want to you you, you conquer the world when there's faith inside of you? But have you seen the opposite when there isn't faith inside of you? When you're discouraged and you, you do, you're doubting and, and you're full of unbelief? It's like, oh, I don't want to get out of bed. I don't want to, you know, feeble knees. And, you know, you just... When you believing, there's life inside of you. Amen? Because the Bible says, and by believing, you may have life in His name. Jesus said, I came to give you life and life abundantly. As you believe in Jesus in so many areas, folks, life is inside you. You want to go. You want to trust God for things. Amen? And so if we want life, yeah, we can pray for life. But believe in Jesus. Amen? Miracles unlock faith. And faith unlocks life, the true life of God, the life that God wants us to love. Amen. This is so powerful. I want to summarize with what we can learn from all the different characters in this little story. Just 11 verses. What do we, each of the people, each of the people in the story, show us something significant regarding Jesus. Firstly, Mary. What does Mary teach us? She, that we need to listen to him, do whatever he tells you to do, and to expect Jesus to do miracles. She was just like, Jesus is going to do it. I know he says this and this, but he's going to do it. Expect miracles. The servants, what do we learn from the servants? Simply obey Jesus without question. They didn't question, but, but why water? Why give him water? Simply obey Jesus without question and see how he uses you to bring forth miracles. Amen. I'm saying I'm going to be a servant of Jesus. I'm going to do whatever he says and we're going to see how he brings forth miracles. But it's so interesting. He needed the, the servants to be part of the story. They're part of the story, folks. Jesus wants to do miracles through you and me. He can send an angel to heal your mother-in-law. Yeah, but he's probably going to take you and ask you to pray for her. And you're part of the story. You're part of the miracle story. This is the thing about miracles. Okay, the bridegroom. What do we learn from the bridegroom? Jesus loves to provide and to save the day. <laughs> hey, I just, oh, put yourself in his shoes. Jesus wants to be that to you as well. What do we learn from the master of the feast? Jesus saves the best for last. The master of the feast was like, wow, folks, the best is yet to come. Amen. 
The best is yet to come. The, the, the glory of the latter house will be greater than the former house, the Bible says. Yeah. Folks, it's true in eternity, and I want to say it's true today as well. We've been through some tough times, but that doesn't define us. The best is yet to come. And finally, what do we learn from the disciples? Believe in Jesus. Pisteo. With your whole heart, soul, and everything inside of you. Trust in Him. Rely in Jesus. That is how we unlock miracles. Amen. There's quite a lot in those little 11 verses. I think you would agree. Let us learn from this story. Let's trust God for miracles. Amen. So we can't talk about miracles in this church. You know, we like to pray for miracles. And so I'm actually going to conclude. I'm going to close the service and we're going to pray for miracles. Now, I, again, I've highlighted small miracles, big miracles. doesn't matter what your miracle is. But I want to ask you, if you, this is how we're going to do it. If you're trusting God for a miracle, I want you just to put up your hand. And there are a number of people that we've trained uh, as part of our encounter team. These are people we've trained how to pray with people and they understand and they have the faith to trust God for miracles. And then I want to ask you, and I'm gonna, how I'm going to do this, we're going to just show your hand. You can remain seated. And we're going to close the service. If you, if you sorted, you don't need miracles in your life or you need to go. I don't want to put a heavy on you. You need to go. That's fine. I understand the time. But I'm going to ask our encounter team just to come pray with you. And we're going to trust God for miracles. Amen. So let me just close in prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you. Lord, you do miracles that don't even make sense. Lord, I still don't even know exactly why you just decided to respond to Mary's faith. And Lord, and to reveal your glory, thank you that you did. Thank you for this story, Lord. This story blows so many, so many mindsets and paradigms of what we think you can and can't do. So God... Take us on this journey of, Lord, of being servants, being servants like in the story, that we just do what you tell us to do. And we're part of the miracle story. We're an integral part of these signs that bring you glory and unlock faith in people. God, but firstly, start with us and lock faith in us. May we believe you for miracles this year. In Jesus' name. And the people of God said, Amen. Join us for some live services. If you are visiting Peter Maritzburg in Peter Maritzburg or the surrounding areas, please do come through and join us from half past nine to 11 o'clock every Sunday at 154 Burkett Road, Scottsville, Peter Maritzburg, South Africa, 3201.